Welcome to the TBN UK podcast. In this series, you can hear some of the interviews from TBN Meets, where faith meets culture. Hear from Christian ministries, innovators, authors, artists, and creators. Enjoy. Hi, TBN family, and welcome to TBN Meets. Today, I'm joined by Pastor Bill Wilson, the founder of Metro World Child, which reaches more than 200,000 children each week around the world. Pastor Bill, welcome to TBN Thank Meets. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. So we're going to get on to talking about Metro World sure. Child, but sure. first of all, you yourself have an incredible um, story. So can you tell me a little bit about a little bit yeah. about your life and growing up? You, you and I have been around long enough to know that when people go through tough times, especially in, in our cultures nowadays, mm. everybody likes to play the victim. Yeah. Poor me. All this happened, and now my life is a mess, and it's somebody else's fault. But, you know, my mother was an alcoholic. Mm. She left me on a street corner when I was a little kid, walked away. She never came back. So I'm sitting on the street corner, no food, no water, three days. And you know, this was in 1960. Mm. So, you know, in American history, anybody could have stopped and picked me up. Yeah. Anybody. Gang member, dealer, pedophile, whatever. Anybody. And had anyone else except the person that stopped, been that one that picked me up, yeah. my life. And this is something all of you need to understand that are watching. Defining moments. And I talk about this a lot. Defining moments don't always come announced. They just show up. So you better be ready. Yeah. And so the only man that stops in these three days is the ordinary Christian, operative word, ordinary. His own son is in the hospital dying of leukemia. So he's got every reason not to stop, keep on going like everybody else. He stops, gets out of his car, walks over to where I'm sitting, puts his hand on my shoulder and just says, are you okay? Yeah. No bright lights, no cameras, no, you know. No music, no music playing, no. No, no. He says, are you okay? Mm. That's it. So last week we had 236,000 kids wow. in Sunday school. Now, here, but here's the hook. Don't miss this, folks. It started, people see me on a program like this. They read the books. You know, I've got yeah. the PhD, blah, 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 and all the, all the, nice, the niceties, okay? But the reason why 236,000 kids heard the gospel last week was because in 1960, the ordinary Christian yeah. stopped for the little boy that nobody wanted. That's this whole story. That put this whole thing into motion. Mm. One person can make a difference. And don't you think that sometimes we so negate that? Because as you say, people say, well, I'm the victim. Well, of course, people of course. who were that man say, well, my my child is dying. Like my son is dying. And like, he I, had I, every I reason to I keep going. I don't have time to stop for Absolutely. you. But actually he is the one it's probably true. of many people who maybe had a bit less on their plate. Yep. And he was the one that actually really selflessly stopped. And, and really, that's the true work of Jesus. Why do you think that s somehow we've fallen into this trap more victimhood rather than, than actually, oh, yeah, yeah. you know? Because it's all about us now. Yeah. Our culture breeds that. It's a consumerism mindset in the West. And when you become so consumed with you yeah. and your happiness and what's up with you and this isn't right that and I and and I hate to say it but maybe just because I'm an old guy <laughs> but the social media thing just feeds into that 
Yeah. You just, you feed into it. It's all compared yourself mm. with somebody else and their great life that they see on social media, which is usually a lie anyway. It's a highlight it's reel. True. It's a highlight reel. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that just all kind of breeds into this mindset. But what do you think, because it's so interesting, because in the church where really we, we're, we're alive in Christ and hopefully transformed our minds by hopefully. him, hopefully, yes. <laughs> a work in progress for most of us. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that still creeps in? Because social media is just a tool, right? So it's just a new thing we have as, as, a, as a way to Should compare be. things. Yep. So what is it in our faith or in, in our teaching that's missing, that's not giving us that grounding? It's, it's fighting that inherent thing of humanity, yeah. of just, it, it's me, it's, it's me. And now once you go through a few years of that yeah. and you have now a generation that's been kind of built on that mindset and it has become a bit of a breeding ground mm. for, for that cultural bend, yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty hard to get out of it. Just is. I suppose, as you say, it's an inward look rather than an outward Always. look of, of, of what could I be doing. And like yeah. you say, that one man, his look was outward. That's right. And uh, that is what meant that 236,000 children went to Sunday school this week. But it starts with an upward vision first. Yeah. The upward vision gives you an inward vision. It gives you an outward vision. Yeah. We're trying to get people to have an outward vision when they've never had the upward vision. Yeah. Consequently, that means they'll never have an inward vision yeah. to change what needs to be changed. And yet we're trying to get people to evangelize and win the world and reach out. And we wonder why they don't. It starts with the upward vision. Yeah. Goes right to in here. And then you see things, you see people yeah. through a different set of eyes like that man saw me. And so talking about the upward vision, when did you give your life to Jesus and what would you say has yeah. been some of the transforming sure. milestones within that relationship that's got you to where you are today? All right, so he comes over, he puts his hand on my shoulder, asks me if I'm okay. And I used to stutter horribly when I was little, but I tried to tell him my mother was gone and I was just hungry and immediately he gets his wife, she brings me some food and water, he gets on the phone, and five hours, five hours mm -hmm. after this meeting on the street corner, he's loading me in a church van, sponsors me to go to a Sunday school camp. Now, I've never been to church in my life, no point of reference. So I'm sitting in this camp, and the man that's speaking says, if you want Jesus, come to the front. I didn't understand that. That's pretty abstract yeah. for a little kid that, I've never heard this, but I knew I needed something. Yeah. Got out of my seat, came to the front. The altar was packed with kids giving their life to Christ, but every one of them had a counselor. You know how we pray yeah. for them, lead them to the Lord. I was the only kid there that did not have anybody praying with them. It took me two days because I asked, why isn't anybody praying for me? I don't know what's going on, but see, I still had the same clothes on that they picked me up off the street in wow. because I didn't have any other clothes. I couldn't talk right, had holes in my clothes. I didn't look like a church kid. Yeah. I didn't talk like a church kid because I wasn't a church kid. But I was watching the kids and I heard one of the people in the microphone say, just talk to Jesus. Mm. I thought, okay. And I remember, this, this like was yesterday. Mm. And I said, God, my mother doesn't want me. Now the Christians don't want me. I said, but if you want me, here I am. And that night,
in that camp was the first time I ever felt like somebody loved me. And my life changed. I've never looked back. And really, that's what Metro World Child yeah. is. It's, it's myself and all of our team doing for kids in tough parts of the world. Yeah. And you know, where, you know where I go. Yeah. It's the places other guys don't want to go. But somebody has to. Yeah. So when you realize that that's the only thing that's going to make a difference in these kids' lives, We've spent our entire lives doing for kids now yeah. all over the world exactly well, what that, that man did for me. He took a moment in time, mm. a moment. Please don't miss this, folks. Please don't miss this. One moment mm. that my life could have gone one way no or the that. other. And that was that moment when he said, are you okay? Mm. And that's an incredible heart and vision to carry behind something like this. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, when something has happened to you, you, you can never lose that heart behind it because it happened personally to you. Yeah. So how do you get this filtered down into all of your team and into all of your staff? Like, how do you get them to understand that heart? But it's, it, but it's the same reason I still drive the Sunday school bus okay. in Brooklyn. It, it's not just leadership by example, although that's part of it. And, and when I'm speaking at a leadership conference or a pastor school, that's part of it. And I get that. But the reason why I drive the bus, you know who I'm picking up. Yeah. I'm picking up myself. Yeah. I was a kid on the corner that nobody wanted. Mm. So when I drive the bus, that's, I'm picking up myself. And the team sees that and they're around it. And when, you, when you're around it and it touches you, that's yeah. why I take people with me. Now, you know, I was just in Afghanistan not long ago. I'm heading over to Yemen soon because uh, I'm just a little bit tired of seeing these dead kids in the yeah. street in Yemen. It'll wear you out, and you know that. And I'm tired of everybody saying nothing can be done. See, I've heard that all my life. Yeah. I've heard it. But when you get close enough to touch the wounds yeah. in the body of Christ. Thomas, in, yeah. in the Bible, the, ab the whole resurrection was too abstract for him. Yeah, he didn't get it I need until to see it. Yeah. he touched the wounds in the body of Christ. And when any of you watching, you get close enough to touch the wounds in the body of Christ, guess what? It all changes. It it's, all changes. It's proximity to suffering, isn't it? It, it, it makes a difference in a life. Do you think that as a church, we are very sanitized and far away from suffering, yeah, too far? Yeah, what do you think? Because <laughs> you, well, know, you yeah, know what well, I'm gonna say. Well, yeah, I know what you're gonna say, yeah. You're gonna say, of course. But we've allowed that to happen mm. because church has its own bubble yeah. that we've created. So it's we show ecosystem up. ecosystem of, of self-suffering. Yeah, yeah. and we, it's, we know how to talk church. We know how to act church. That sounds a bit cynical, but it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And when you suddenly step out of that mindset, out of of everybody else that's just like mm. you. That's why I take 50 people with me when I go to the Philippines every March. Yeah. I, because we do Sunday school in the cemetery, the North Cemetery. You have a thousand squatters that live in the cemetery. Three generations, yeah. little kids that live amongst the remains of dead people. We do Sunday school in the cemetery, in the garbage dump where the kids live. 
and I take people with me for no other reason but just walk it, walk yeah. it, smell it, touch it, it, look at it. Be there when a lady, not trying to sell you her child, but just gives you yeah. her child and says, please, I can't feed her. Please, just take her, just take her. That separates the liars from the buyers yeah. in this thing. Let it touch you. Let it touch you mm. in a whole different mindset. And when that happens, everything takes on a different perspective. Because everything has to change when we see things through that spiritual lens of this is something that we are working on. Into but we eternity. want change on our terms. Well, we want, we want and, acceptable and in our time. change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the change we want. Because when you, when you realize that change... You know, water boils. Yeah. At 100, not 95, not no. 98. But when the water has been in contact with the fire just long enough, there's one last degree. And yeah. when that hits, the water changes so dramatically. It's the same chemical composition, but it's now unrecognizable compared to what it looked like only one degree before. Our folks don't want that much change. Do they want to be unrecognizable? When are we, what is it going to take for us to bend to the stranger and to bend to the person that doesn't yet know Jesus? Because that's what it is. We, we, we want to bend yeah, to ourselves. Right. You're right. What is it, what's it going to take for us to bend? Because like you say, you, you can take 50 people to the Philippines and you can do that every year. But how is this going to exactly. I wish it would infect us like a body, like a sickness so yeah. that everyone yeah. catches it. How yeah. do we do that? I think it takes getting close enough to the urgency of life to allow the urgency, because that's the nature of the urgency. And, and when when you go to places like Yemen, like Afghanistan, I got shot in the back by a sniper in yeah. Syria two years ago. I had my bulletproof vest on it, stopped the bullet but still did a tremendous amount of damage. But when, well, when you're there and you see what's around you and you allow that urgency mm -hmm. and you just, you said it perfectly, allow it to touch you so dramatically that it does infect you. Let, let it rub off on you. Yeah. Let, when you leave the places I go to, you have to throw your clothes away yeah. before you get back on the plane. But let the smell, the touch, the feel, the look mm. in the eyes, the look. Because when that does, when that touches you. You don't change. Yeah, you, you, you can't go back. It's like Nicodemus. Yeah. He, he questions Jesus. What do you mean, be born again? How can I go back in my mother's womb? And he was answering his own question. Yeah. And he didn't get it. No, because once you come out. Mm. You can't, go, you back. can't go back. Once the baby comes out of the womb, you can't go back. And once you come out of the mindset of the bubble, yeah. guess what? You can't go back. You don't go back. I remember going to Malawi a couple of years ago and um, just seeing the joy on people's faces yeah. as they worship and singing. Every time I went to a church, I couldn't stop crying because you really realize just how selfish <laughs> life is here it's about me they have a and lot mine. to be thankful for they and, and, they, and they just feel it. they they say give us this day our daily bread and they mean it because exactly. they don't know where exactly. today's bread's coming from exactly. but they still praise god and they just give him everything no pumping no need for anyone to tell them is god good don't have to sing the you same chorus 20 times no, to, to get, get, to get a feeling yeah i know they they know. respond and and it touches your soul and i think that is there what, what 
Is it because we have too much? Is it, is it because, what, what is it? It's somehow in the Western culture. Now, I don't want to just pick on the West. No. But it's more this predominant. This is where we are and here, where we live. It is what it is. It's, it's because there is so much of a level of expectation of success, not significance, but success. So it breeds itself over and over again. As much in the church, and, and you and I could do probably two more programs yeah. <laughs> just talking about what you've seen, what I've seen in the 50 years of ministry, and how there's a level of expectation in church life, mm. uh, sermons. I go to churches now to preach, and they say, well, you've got 12 minutes to preach. Okay, <laughs> I can't even explain anything. Yeah. Not what's happening with the kids, not the child sponsorship program, not in 12 minutes, but, but everything now has become so minimalized mm. when it comes to the influence of Christ. It's, it's, I look at it as kind of the way people look at the queen here. We all love the queen. Everybody loves the queen. But she doesn't have really that much influence in the daily lives yeah. of the folks here. Kind of like Jesus. Yeah. We all love Jesus. But the reality is, for a lot of folks, he doesn't have that much influence in their daily life. Consequently, we have what we have. And part of what Metro World Child is doing is just really just trying to be Jesus in those children's, the hands and feet of, of Jesus. It's Jesus in, in with his skin life. on. Yeah. That, that's, that's what this is. That's, that's what ministry is. That's what ministry has always been. When the man that picked me up off the street stopped, what? Yeah. That's what he was. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a deacon. He wasn't his own kids dying. Mm. Why? What's the point? When it's in you, yeah. when that thing's burning in you, when it's real, everybody around you knows it. And the Holy Spirit really has to be something like Metro Wheelchair, you know, just for it to have the spread it's had. How many countries are you in currently? I, I don't even know. It changes <laughs> almost every day. No, it really does. Yeah. Because we have so many opportunities. Uh, we just got a call to open Sunday school on the Gaza Strip. Wow. Uh, we get invitations now from governments, from social institutions, from school systems, because they have seen the change in the lives of kids mm -hmm. that have been part of the Sunday school. And isn't it, isn't it interesting, a nation like Great Britain, who was known for its rich heritage of missions, David Livingston, Hudson Taylor, Kerry, and the list goes on and on. And yet many of those names of the missionaries that came from here now are almost not even not heard, but they're unknown because those old stories, the one-way missionaries, mm. when they went to go to the mission field in a foreign country, instead of taking a suitcase, they bought a casket, Yeah. put all their belongings in the casket, <laughs> tied it up with rope, took it to the field. Why? Because they knew they weren't coming back from the field yeah. unless they came back in the casket themselves. But you don't hear stories like that no. anymore. Why is that? Why is that a rich heritage mm. in a nation like this? And I saw on the news here a couple of weeks ago, children being taught in British primary schools here mm -hmm. about things that no 
small child should ever be taught it. And I can't even say it on this program. That, that's an abomination. The church is going to have to speak with a louder voice. And do you think there's an element of people not willing to be sacrificed? Because in order to do what you've done, there's been a certain level of personal sacrifice, um, be that whether it's giving up, not doing things or people saying things or anything sure, else like sure. that. What, what, what can you say about the sacrifices you've paid and, and what do you think it is in us that just really maybe is not prepared to be in that space? All right, I've had five concussions. I've been in three plane crashes. I've been shot twice. Ribs broken, jaw broken. Yeah, it's a trade-off. But, but we, we pray, and, and you, you and I both know this. You've got people saying, I'm hungry for revival. Yeah. I'm hungry for a move of God. You've heard it. I've heard it all my life. And yet, and I use this as an illustration for our staff in New York. I put a plate of food on the table in front of the staff. Here, here, here it is. You say you're hungry. Here it is. And yet, let me take your water, <laughs> and I'll take my tea, and here I am. I'm standing in front of the plate. All the food is right there. You say you want it, mm. but I, I want that. I want that, but the question is, how bad do you want it? Are you willing to because put that down to it, have it? Yeah. Something is going to have to be put down. You're going to have to lay something down. Everything is a trade-off. Yeah. How bad do we want to see something happen? How I have a PhD from the University of Wales. I did extensive study on the Great Awakening. Mm. Yeah, none of these revivals, the moves of God that so many people like to talk about and are waiting on something. Yeah, yeah, it's trade-off. There's a price tag that goes with it. And I think it was really interesting. I was interviewing a pastor of the day, and he's got a mega church, but he was just saying that they prayed every day for six months, and then said, "Let's see what God does," and yeah. God is doing amazing yep. things. Yep. Do you think we get weary in well-doing? How have you managed to not get weary in well-doing and just to keep going despite all you've been through? When you see what I've seen, mm -hmm. I don't know how many folks that are watching have ever seen a little girl get her head chopped off with a machete. Mm -hmm. Probably not many. I've seen 23 homicides in front of me over these years. So when you allow yourself to be close to the urgency and you see it, then you have to ask yourself, mm -hmm. do you really believe this yeah. or do you not? Because that's what this comes down to. It's real easy to know how to say the right things. You know, we know how to talk church. Many folks have done it very well <laughs> over the years. Yeah. But when you get close enough, for that thing to touch you. Mm. And then you have to ask yourself the hard questions. How, how is it that I've been doing this 50 years when a thousand preachers a month in America, still a thousand a month, quit the ministry? Yeah. Now I know America's a big country, but a thousand a month yeah. and still, and we would line them up here today and ask them, did God call you? You know, you know they'd look right at us and say, oh, God called us. Okay, so you're telling me what? God called you, but, but somebody happened? lied about you, somebody stole money, you got offended. Really? Really? Come on. Are you Come. called? Yeah. And it, 
do you think there is a sense of us or a sense that maybe we don't believe? Gee, you think? <laughs> see, when you realize the need is the call? Yeah. See, there was no bright lights in 1960 when the man picked mm. me up off the street corner. There was no audible voice. There was no burning bush. There was a little boy who couldn't even talk right. Mm. And a Christian whose own kid was dying. That's it. He saw the need, and the need connected with him. And, and he put him. that thing mm. into motion. And now, I brought him to New York. He's old now. He won't be around much longer. I spent Christmas Day mm. with him every Christmas. But I brought him to New York when he was still able to get around. I watched him look at the buses, watch the thousands of kids, and just told him, take a good look, my friend. Take a good look. You just thought in 1960 you were picking up a little poor kid. But now, look at what God's done. Look what God has done through one ordinary Christian. Please don't miss this, friends. Mm. One person really can't make a difference. I am the living proof of what one ordinary Christian can do. Your commitment has got to be stronger than your emotions. Yeah. My commitment to the Lord, my commitment to a generation, and my commitment to what happened on that street corner. That's why Christmas Eve, I sit in that same place all night. The same place I sat those three days, I sit there all night. And then Christmas Day, I spend it with the man that picked me up. And I sit there all night Christmas Eve because I never want to forget where I came from. Yeah. A lot of people forget where they came from. I'll never forget where I came from. And if there was someone at home sitting down right now, like feeling the tug of, you know what, Lord, I want to be, I want to be more committed. I realize that I am the one. I'm, I'm the one that you're waiting for they to do, do something do amazing. Yep. What would you tell them to pray for right now to help them to cross that line? I think at this point is saying, Lord, whatever it takes. It's got to be whatever it takes mentality. We have people, I think of the British lady seven years ago from here. Mm. Sold her house, sold her car, got a one-way ticket, went to Kenya, and now works with 100,000 kids a week in Metro Sunday School in Kenya. An ordinary lady, mm. but had an extraordinary move of the Holy Spirit in her, but yet still an ordinary person. Mm. So whether it's from America, Britain, Asia, Latin America, it's still about ordinary people saying, Lord, it's not about me. It, it's not my life. It's your life. So Lord, here it is. Here it is. Mm. Do with me whatever you want to do with me. Not my will, but yours be done. And when that happens, suddenly everything, everything changes. changes. Just changes. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. At TBN UK, we want the gospel to be in as many homes in this country as possible. And you can partner with us in this mission by praying, sharing or giving. For more information, visit tbnuk.org slash partnership. And remember, you can watch us on TBN UK on Freeview 65 or Sky 582.